0: Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded, from Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Now,
1: here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn-Matthews. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn-Matthews, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asfalis Advisors. We have an accomplished guest lined up for you today, speaking on the topic of the fourth line of defense, a relationship with regulators. So let's jump right in and meet our guest, Dan Newton. He is the Senior Vice President of, of Independent Technology Risk Management for PNC Bank. Dan, thank you for hey, joining us. Oh, <laughs> Thank
0: you so much for having me today. Very excited to be here.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So look, so started talking about this topic at the Fall DRJ conference in Arizona. Yes, 2019. Yep, and you started a panel conversation with one of your your counterparts, and that led us into today. So I'm excited yeah. to hear what what you're going to talk about.
0: Happy to do so. So yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll go into just talking about how the fourth line of defense and how we we interact with them today, and and hopefully people can glean some some information to help in their relationship with them.
1: Absolutely. So before we do that. I would love our listeners to know more about you. Who is Dan? Sure. How did you get into risk?
0: That's a great question. I appreciate that. Uh, So I run the governance program for the independent technology risk group, um, which is a second line function. And my world focuses on managing the enterprise technology risk policy across the firm, creating and managing metrics and KRIs, as well as developing and publishing risk reporting and ensuring compliance for numerous regulations. Um, I also have various risk activities under my purview, like issues management, risk and control um, self-assessments, and managing internal external audit interactions uh, and events for our group. And how I got into risk was many, many, many years ago. I saw a posting for a disaster recovery position, and I thought, well, that sounds kind of cool. Having no clue what it meant, found it was with a, a DR shop in the financial sector that focused on disaster recovery and business continuity emergency management risk management and, and managing those programs for the company and its internal clients as well as the external customers who pay for those services so it was a good experience working uh with some amazing folks and allow me to wear many hats from program manager to exercise manager to primary coordinator for hurricanes to running risk assessments across the firm so it was it was good times
1: and so you said that your purview covers issues management what does that mean
0: so issues management whenever um in technology environments, um, you have kind of break-fix moments where things go wrong or bump in the night, and issues are created to go and ensure that it's adequately documented and, and we understand what the root cause was and what the solution is to to put it to rest for the temporary fix and then what the long-term solution is as well. So that's what issues management's all about. And from the second line, my world is overseeing those, those issues that are germane to my space and uh, our domains that we cover and, and making sure that there's the right level of visibility and in, in discussion around those particular items
1: gotcha okay okay so before we get into what the fourth line of defense is for those yep. who were not at the drj conference in fall of 2019 can you give a recap of the presentation that you and leo provided
0: yeah absolutely so for the conversation we had we were trying to give a sense of how we go and interact across broadly across a firm and, and manage our risk program. So we're trying to go and get a sense of what our three lines of defense are within my world, how we have it structured from the board of directors, what their purview is and what they're able to see, what internal audit is responsible for, and then as we get down into the, the different layers from first line and second line and the various committees, talking about what comes through these committees and what their responsibilities are from a management perspective and understanding that this all this uh, bubbles up into these committees for review and visibility to management, ultimately to the board of directors so that they have keen insight to what the overall risk appetite and concerns are and how we're addressing them and making sure that we're on track and and keeping things running along and evolving the program and making sure that we're maturing it at every uh, point we can.
1: So then how would you describe this fourth line of defense and, you know, how this concept came about?
0: Sure, sure. So when I when I think about uh, there's a um, there's an institute of chartered accountants over in, in England and Wales that has this verbiage that I think it's been really neat to, to look at. It defines the four lines of defense. So when you have these lines that are properly structured with no gaps in coverage, the organization has an increased probability of being effective and managed. So as we mentioned, first line is that frontline operation side of the house where folks own the process, own the risk, and they're managing that risk insurance functioning as intended. And then second line is that independent side of the house that has oversight of the first line's risk management activities. So my world, where we have the second line that monitors, reviews, and challenges the first line activities. And then third line being internal audit, where they have that level of independent assurance and making sure that there's an overall effectiveness to how the risk management and controls are being managed. So fourth line is the external independent body, the regulators, or if you are aligning to a particular certification, then you would have those individ- those groups could come in and reveal your world and understand that it's having the level of rigor around those elements that they expect to see. So for my world, it would be the OCC, which is the Office of Controller for Currency, or the Federal Reserve Bank. So those are two examples of of how they would come in and and play.
1: And now for some of our listeners, they may be in various industries outside of financial services where – they may have different regulators, but in general, your perspective, what purpose do regulators have in our world of resilience?
0: So it's all about the supervision and monitoring of those requirements and the framework that they establish and the guidance they provide that states a mature program should have these particular elements in place to ensure that, and this is from um, the OCC, is ensure the soundness for my world, the soundness of overall banking system. But is to ensure that those elements are are existing in their function. So an example of that would be something that was thrown uh, our way, I think, back in 2014, I believe. It was uh, heightened standards from the OCC. And it says, here are the elements that we expect to see. So they'll provide the guidance of the applicability of the size of the bank. And then they'll say, you have to have these particular roles and responsibilities for the line of businesses, or the second line of defense will have this, or the third line will have these elements as well. So they give this guidance and structure, and it is coming upon us to go and have these elements implemented into our programs, and then they will come into our world and take a look and say, you guys are following it and doing a great job, or we see some deficiencies and we want to go talk further about that. Or we also want to have a better sense of how do you plan to evolve the program? How do you plan to mature it? Or what is management's involvement? All these elements are something that they're looking for and they want to make sure is is existing and that we have the ability to not only talk to it, but also provide the artifacts that they need to go and demonstrate that it's it exists and it's it's in place and the controls are working. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So here's something that's pretty interesting. I have a friend that's in financial services. I have someone that's in the cannabis industry and Mm -hmm. um, a friend that's in the oil and gas space. And so Mm -hmm. whenever I hear that that a regulator came into their facility, they are aggravated. They are frustrated. Um, They have to get so much paperwork done and have a lot of sleepless nights. Um, And so, you know, I think it's, it creates friction between the mm-hmm. relationship. And so my question for you is, how can regulators be our friends? Especially right. sometimes whoever your regulatory body is, it can be an inconsistent relationship because you may not get the same person every time.
0: Oh, and amen to that. And, then, and I think you're, and to extend on not having the same person every time, then you have to go through the entire conversation again and help that individual understand what your current state is, what your maturity is, where you were, where you are, where you're headed. And yeah, I can understand that frustration. So I guess when I'm looking at this, coming into a regulated environment or a particular world where those regulators will come in and, and have a conversation with you, one thing that I'm, I'm always looking at is they can be instrumental in helping the program mature and help identify those gaps and provide the support and, and improving a specific area or providing guidance or expectations on how to re- resolve the issues. And I would look at... That's their function and reason for living. And I, I think when you look at having that inconsistency, it's a matter of having maybe having some type of transition from the individual who was there previously, if that's possible, or having some type of uh, overview that you can provide prior to if you see that much of a uh, of a change in the people that are coming through that you can give them a baseline that they can read and then walk them through that and try to get them up to speed as quickly as possible. And granted, in the perfect world, it would be great to go and have one individual or one group that you're working with on a consistent basis, but unfortunately there is a rotation and a need for having those different uh, regulators go from one organization, one bank, whatever it may be, to another to go ahead and ensure that they're keeping fresh with um, the particular areas that they're working with.
1: How do you do that?
0: I, 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 that's, what has that's, worked for you? <laughs> that's a great question. And, and, We've been, for my stint here uh, at the bank, uh, we've been fortunate. We've had a, um, a group that we've been working with, one that's been pretty consistent, another one where, just to your point, we had a transition. It was from the regular side that they were drawing these individuals in who were moving on to other things that these people that would replace them were drawn in through the conversation for a few months to get familiar with with what was going on and we had a chance to introduce ourselves and get them up to speed on where we had been, things that we had been addressing and, and what we're doing going forward. So we we did have, and I think in, in some instances, it, it could be considered a luxury to your point that, yeah, they have friends out there that they have one day, they have a, a person they're interacting with, and the next day it changes and they don't have the luxury of that. But uh, we've been fortunate where we had the opportunity to go and, and interact with these folks that would transition out and watch as the others would be transitioning onto to uh, new opportunities. So I think what we look at is making sure that they understand that we're fully on board with what the the regulations are stating that we have to follow. Understanding, and this is what we're articulating to the the new folks, that we're familiar, we are currently working on these things. and I think it's a matter of being forthright with the current state for your world, what's going well, what's not, and then helping them understand on how you're demonstrating alignment. Here are the artifacts that we're creating and making sure that they have that level of visibility and and demonstrating that there's management support and that you can show that everything that you're doing that it's up to the other person on the other side to recognize that and high-five you and say you're doing a great job or help you understand what additional information they need uh, since they're net new into this environment. And the one thing uh, that's interesting is I spoke with two regulators from two different regulatory bodies on this topic, and the resounding thing that I got from both of them is that they want us to be successful. They want us to have strong programs and that they're dedicated to helping us achieve these goals, and I think that's flat-out awesome, and we want that mentality, and we need that mentality.
1: Along those same lines about the regulator and, and, and thinking about it from their perspective, what guidance so if you are listening to this podcast right now and you say hmm i have a regulator coming in in 60 days or hey i have a pop-up that may happen in the next two weeks what guidance do you have on how regulators themselves can create a better relationship and i asked this this question because i ran into a gentleman who actually manages a team of regulators Uh and he said every time i walk into an establishment people mm-hmm. are on guard they're uneasy and yep. they don't want to see us there so it, yep. it already starts bad because of the perception and yeah. quite frankly what their brand is right
0: right and they get protective and and they they're they're worried about how will we be viewed or, or are we going are we missing something that is going to be dramatic or impactful across uh, the organization i think these are all reasonable to go ahead and and be concerned about how that's going to play out but i think to my point earlier from the two regulators is that they want us to be successful. I think we need to look at uh, embracing that. And I think it's a joint effort from my perspective, not just from the regulators, but from our side that we need to understand the expectations that they have and that we're defining in whatever capacity we have, the current state. So when they're coming in, we're open and we say, we're aware of these things and we're our current state or maturity or the, is this, this, and this. And Management buying is is at this current level, and we're looking to do the following things. I I think when you do that, and also you have a an opportunity to demonstrate something that is the here's the roadmap, and here's the tangible items that we're doing to make sure that it's meaningful and and helps them. Hopefully, resonates with them. I think that's the best we can do is trying to go and just be forthcoming with them about where we are at where we're at and. Having the regulators would be the same thing coming that new into an environment. They have to go through the same discussion points, and and they want to understand. So, does that yeah. help?
1: Yeah. And as you've said, that the one word that resonates with me is communicate. Yes. And what that absolutely. looks like for me is when a you know when a regulator walks in the door, communicate. Hey, I'm here to help you win. They are absolutely. This is a shared effort. Hey, yes. I'm here to establish trust and build a relationship. And these, if you have a few of it, you know, if, if you have a roadmap or a maturity model or mm-hmm. something that you can give me to help bring us up to speed, so I don't waste your time, that yes. would be phenomenal. So we can continue to build this this, this relationship to help you win.
0: Exactly right. And the, and the other thing I would say is when you have these conversations with the regulars, new or existing, it's a matter of demonstrating that you have an awareness and that the the roadmap that you're providing is tangible, that it's meaningful, and that it's just not a matter of, yeah, we're going to be doing some things in the future with no type of specifics. And when that happens, I think everyone should be somewhat cautious because it makes people ponder and wonder if if there is actually a level of rigor behind all the the conversation that would make them feel comfortable. But when you're laying things out in detail, when you're actually providing something that seems realistic, seems to be running along and, and you're able to go and provide some level of documentation to demonstrate that you're trying to go and get these things taken care of. I think that it puts everyone at ease and that it's just not a matter of, of subjectivity. It's a matter of laying out that material where everyone can view it and come to the same conclusion that you're you're doing everything you can. and And hopefully they'll come away and say, you're doing a great job, but if there are areas or concerns, then you're able to go and walk through those and talk them through well, how, it, how it started, what the root cause was. But I think what's important is demonstrating awareness for what is important to them, demonstrating awareness for where your program truly is and what you need to do to go and make it better.
1: Yeah. And I will tell you that the one great thing I love about regulators is once they leave, the investments come. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, exactly right. Well, you know, and in and that's so so true. In fact, many many years I've had folks come up to me, and they and they'd always ask me. They'd say, "Look, how do I get management to buy into my program, or how can I get the program off the ground, or how can I go, go and help on this maturity?" And in a regulated environment, you have that. You literally have those individuals there, uh, which establish what those those rules and guidelines are, and. That should be something that you can utilize and hopefully with their help, if there's an issue or a gap and, and you can talk through that, then it can help in bringing that level of visibility, bringing the uh, importance to why it needs to be implemented, whatever that concern is, or just the evolution of the roadmap. They, they can come uh, and be very beneficial to helping the, the firm as a whole, helping that particular area. And also it, it comes down to that we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect the products and services that we offer, that we're protecting the customer, that we're protecting the brand. And I feel that the regulators can provide that level of support. And from the two regulators I interacted with, they're very much on point and and they wanna see that happen.
1: Right, absolutely. Now, Dan, I have an off topic question. Um, Sure. Are you a basketball fan?
0: Uh, A little bit.
1: All right, so here's an analogy for you. So if if I'm dribbling down the court and my point guard shoots the ball and they miss the ball, As the center or as the forward, my job is to rebound the ball and dish it back out to to the point guard. Absolutely. So my question for you is, is a two part question. How do you rebound if you had a bad experience with a regulator? And then secondly, Mm -hmm. do you have any examples of someone who may have had a bad experience, but they turned it around for a good one?
0: When it comes down to rebounding, I mean, let's say this for any game or for any interaction, these experiences can happen. And it, it's a matter of acknowledge the bad experience. I think it's when we fail to recognize that's where the trouble starts. Yeah. So the best way to recover is to be honest about what transpired and that we're demonstrating some awareness on what we did wrong with the rebound and how we need to get it back out uh, so we can go in and uh, set it up and, and move forward. Again, it's having an understanding of what transpired who needed to do what, or if it was something within your space, then acknowledge that too. But again, I think it's a matter of being honest and working on identifying what the, uh, the disconnect was or the miscommunication or whatever it may be. And then with that, I think you're able to go and, and uh, learn from getting from just adequate to better and better and better. Because I think when you have that level of Of awareness. And when you're that intent on seeing the program or seeing the the team succeed, I think that these are just going to benefit you in in leaps and bounds. With regard to a bad experience, I have seen uh, organizations in the past from my uh, peers across the various industries that they would have events where individuals that they were working with had a preconceived notion of how great they were and felt that the level of documentation they had, or if they had any, or the level of rigor that they had, they thought was adequate. And, and um, whenever the regulators came in and did the full review, it was a massive wake-up call. And they were actually at first stunned <laughs> that uh they thought there's no way that you guys could think that my program is is this poorly managed or I'm lacking these elements or I'm lacking these elements. And when they got the final results and it was floated all the way up to the top, they had no choice but to go in and do two things. Deny, 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 and it doesn't help anybody. But fortunately, what they did was just all laid out for them in quite a bit of detail to help them understand you all are deficient in the following areas you're deficient on how you're running your management program you're deficient on the elements on how to manage and monitor and all these things were just like where they thought it was okay or we're doing enough or we don't need to worry about that when in fact these were critical elements that were missing and they were given the opportunity to go in and come back stronger and and they looked at it and they they did they, they fessed up and and said you know what you're right we need to go and do a better job where i thought we could just skirt on by you couldn't and there was reasons behind it because it put the company at a risk and they weren't thinking about that so it was a nice shift in, in their mentality on what they needed to focus on and why they implemented a plan and said you're right we're going to do these things and started lining out realistic timeline and saying this is how we're going to move forward when they presented it there were some back and forth discussions and revisions, but the regulators worked with them and said, you know what, These is, this is the right path forward and we're supportive. And again, wanted to see them succeed and, and that's what they did.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's pretty interesting. I I meet people at times and they are surprised, you know, if the bigger the brand, sometimes when you peel back the onion, the less prepared and the less yes. mature the programs are. And And so, you know, to your point, there's There's a level of arrogance that I think is a factor that that creates a challenge.
0: Yeah, and and a lot of times it it can be as simple as, you know, what we have more important things to focus on when, in fact, they they don't have full awareness of what it is that they're actually missing or lacking. And they're fortunate that they didn't have a massive outage to come back and and smack them in the head and then lose their customers and have them uh, take a major hit to their brand. So the regulators coming in and doing what they did actually, in my mind, saved them from something that was going to come down the road. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when, because there were so many concerns within that space. And I think that was another element that they realized was we could really have messed up in a, in a Royal way. And they they came back and realized that in a lot of instances, they were just providing paper tires. And these are almost like, these are, these aren't the droids you're looking for, kind of thing. And when in fact they really were, we needed to understand. And uh, it was it was good to see a turnaround. With them. And note, it wasn't overnight. It took many many months to go and not just jump to uh, understand what the uh, findings were and have a conversation with management. And they had to have a shift and understand where their support needed to be, but also retooling. What was the roadmap? What was meaningful? Get it in front of them. Let them review it. Let them acknowledge it and then keep on rolling with that. And then it also got them into the mindset of, you know what, and now that we put it into place, which was all on their own, which was was nice and was just a matter of the regulators calling out, was that now that we went through all the efforts and trials and tribulations of implementing this particular program, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that it's managed and it's maintained and that we continue to elevate where we think it's appropriate. And I think that's good because it wasn't, just put it into place just for that one moment to make the regulators happy. They understood the value and then they realized they needed to maintain it because it'd be all for naught. And they would put themselves right back in the same place they were previously.
1: You know, we, we've talked about regulators. We talked about those who work closely with the regulators. And we've also yep. talked about um, the investments that flow from the leadership team once the regulators do what they do. And so from right. that perspective, What role does the leadership play? Does the leadership team play in this effort with the fourth line of defense? It's
0: it's imperative that they're engaged, and it's imperative well that they they have buy-in, their support, and that from the board all the way down, that you're going to be hard pressed to go and move forward in any significant way if you don't have that level of buy-in, and that they are interacting with their uh, counterparts within those particular regulatory bodies, and. Getting a sense of at a VP or or CEO level, whatever it may be, get a sense of what is going to be impactful across their organization, and then breaking it down into the areas and line of businesses that they need to be cognizant of and and making sure the discussions are happening with those particular individuals in in charge of those spaces. But I think that we have to have that level of continual buy-in, not just, yes, let's go do it, but fully engaged whether it's strategy, whether it's escalation, whether it's support, whether it's uh, any type of initiative that um, draws in these regulations, that they're there, they're engaged, and they're providing the necessary direction. And I think that's that's massively important for any organization to go embrace that.
1: Yeah. So when you say engagement, it, it brought me back to the basketball analogy. Yep. So if I'm playing on the court and I'm on yep. offense and my coach is on his phone texting and he's not engaged.
0: Nope, we're done. Yep, exactly right. right. And then And then he wonders... Then he wonders why that uh, the game is over, and it's 90 to 50.
1: Right. Did you haven't <laughs> paying
0: attention. You have him paying attention, exactly <laughs> right. So it's like, huh, can we go home now? Yeah, coach, we can go home now. But mm-hmm. uh, really needed you out there to help us, guide us, and give us some sense of, you know what, our, our defense was down, or – we weren't moving the ball down the court like we needed to. And yeah, absolutely. I think everyone has to be committed. Everyone has to be involved and everyone has to be aware of their particular environments of what is current state, what needs to be done and understand the expectations from the regulators and from the framework that they're managing too, and have that that ongoing visibility and making sure that it's running current.
1: Absolutely. So yeah. since we know uh, basketball may not be your sport, what is your favorite sport?
0: <laughs> well, my favorite, my favorite sport actually is boxing and martial arts. And I've got buddies that run boxing gyms and I hang out with them at boxing rings all the time. So,
1: Wow. So does that mean that you own your own pair of boxing gloves, too? Yes, ma'am. Wow. Yep. I do, yes, too. Ma'am. I haven't used them in, like, two years, though. Yeah, by the, by
0: the, and, we can, and we can just say for the record that 16-ounce gloves are heavy to go and work out with, but you will get used to them. So, oh, it's wow. it's Okay. <laughs> uh, what's your
1: favorite food?
0: Shoot. Uh, pizza.
1: Ah, uh, Italian.
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> Anyth- well, actually, anything Italian. I'd rather just go over to Italy and hang out there and get to, you know, be, be a local there. I think that'd be good.
1: So. Yeah, we did our honeymoon in Italy, and I went to the place where they first made made pizza. And I've always felt like I should have been born in Italy. Because anything Italian, I am gay. I, I,
0: I have talked to my manager many times uh, about working remotely from Italy. I just told him that I'd be willing to go and deal with the time difference. I wouldn't have an issue. He just looks at me and we move on to another topic.
1: That <laughs> so. is funny. So where can our listeners find you if they have more questions about the lines of defense and relationships yeah. With regulators?
0: Yeah, yeah, any, any question. I'm out on LinkedIn, so uh, feel free to connect with me and I'm happy to field any questions that you all have and about this or anything that, that comes up and you just want a sounding board, I'm happy to go ahead and, and, and chat with you and, and help out in any way I can.
1: Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asfalis Advisors subscribe, share, download and look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit
0: drj.com/decoded and slash decoded Write to us on Twitter at @brdecoded.